and gentlemen, welcome back to the Love and Learn podcast. What's I'm up, here. young lovers? What's up, young lovers? You started it wrong. Sorry, my bad. It's What's okay. up, young lovers? <laughs> welcome back. How you doing today, Liz? I'm doing good. You're doing good? Yeah. I've been sleeping better. It's good. And yeah, that's really, that's, all, that's really all I need right now. <laughs> <laughs> As you saw a few days ago, if I don't have sleep, I'm not, I'm not doing good. Ooh, yeah. yeah, we, uh, we tried to record. But I was so exhausted that I just started crying. <laughs> <laughs> I asked her a question about just one a, of the Just a question. It, it just was to a elaborate on. question. Yeah. I just got overwhelmed and started crying. You did. So we I stopped. was so mentally tired. Well, technically the first one we did, didn't. Record. I thought that it was recording and it wasn't. We didn't get very far into it though. So no. that's okay. We did two takes. Both were about 15 minutes long and then you started crying. Yeah. So but then this one let me go take a nap and I was, I've been doing much better since that. Since then. <laughs> I needed it <laughs> so bad. Recharge. I seriously needed that so bad. Well, I'm glad that it worked for you. Well, thanks for letting me have it. Absolutely. Well, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I feel inspired today. Oh. Yeah. Cool. I, uh, as you know, yesterday was kind of hitting the roadblock with design stuff for mm-hmm. Ask Us Why. And today I took a shot at it again and felt way more inspired. Nice. So we're doing good. We're doing good today. I love it. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Well, we, I've already done a couple of episodes and, uh, little more than actually what people have already anticipated because we kind of said once a month is the expectation, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be fair to start it, especially with two kind of like, sure, g- good episodes, but not really like what we're actually going to be talking about. So it makes the most sense for us to kind of stockpile a few extra in the archives before we pace ourselves and figure yeah. out how to make it work. So uh, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about five lessons for lovers. Five key lessons for lovers and uh this is coming from our experience mixed with what we have heard yes before even getting married by no means are we perfect at all of these things that <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, are we always always I'm just, put a dis- disclaimer i'm like this disclaimer we understand we are young we there's understand there's so much to learn an we asterisk <laughs> yes. right in the corner of it we are fully aware we don't need to hear that we are not qualified for this <laughs> we're gonna get so many hate emails <laughs> From like people that have been married, married for, for like, like 20 years. years. Oh, wow. Different time frame here. 40. <laughs> 20. You both. think that 60 year olds are listening to our podcast? <laughs> hey. I would be honored. I would be too. You never, you know, you got to just keep learning. Got to keep loving. Do you think your grandma knows what a podcast is? I think Madonna does. Okay. Do you think your other grandma does? I, th- I think she does. Okay. I don't know if she prefers to listen to Do you that. think she would know how to find one? I do. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hey, <mine> Sherry. Do. <laughs> just kidding. I, I don't know if my papa knows what a podcast. He might know what a podcast is. I don't think he'd be able to find it. But he wouldn't be able I to find it. I think my side is more likely to find it. Yeah. But my, I know my grandpa mean. will, instead of sending me a text, he'll send me an email. Yeah. Even if it's only like five words. But for whatever reason, it's always in the email. <laughs> it's, hey, it's okay. <laughs> Old fashioned. It's what he knows. Um, but yeah, if uh, if you're like over, literally over three years married, yeah, then clearly you have done it longer than us. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that should disqualify us from sharing lessons of how we've learned. Yeah. In our relationship, because mm-hmm. we might turn our backs on some of these. And I things think it's or- always good to rehear it, so even if like it's good reminders mm-hmm. for ourselves to yeah. hear and like come back to totally but even if uh 
even if we like turn like I don't know we like share a different opinion later on about one of these things I don't think that these are things necessarily that you would look back on and be like oh that's bad advice yeah no. it might just be that our experience is different than what we can share about it yeah but the principles are the same yes we've read them in books from people who have been married mm-hmm. 30 40 years so yeah good, I think there's still a good gonna foundation be, yeah still good foundation um but yeah five lessons we want to keep these kind of short we're going to Hopefully try and keep them short so this isn't a super long episode. We got Maybe. a napping baby. We're we do. Sorry, we're, we're on, on a time clock. crunch here. <laughs> but if we don't get through all five, we'll go as far as we can with one to two to maybe three. And then we can maybe split it into a two-part series if we need to. And if anything, if you guys want us to break these down even more, we can also do that in individual episodes as well. But we figured that these are five lessons that we have learned that all lovers can learn right now. Especially if you are young into love. If you're in high school, even though we have a strong opinion about relationships in high school yeah. but if you're in college if you're even a young adult and you're starting to get into a relationship mm-hmm. and you maybe don't think that you have some people might actually think they have a really good experience with relationships but they've been into like six or seven of them. Hey, <laughs> but um this can be <laughs> valuable for anybody mm-hmm. in a relationship and good reminders for people who already are in relationships yep. and might know these things but we just want to emphasize them and maybe talk about them so with that being said Our lesson one is learn to communicate with each other like your marriage depends on it. And uh, I feel like that's kind of obvious. Mm -hmm. Like every... Communication is key. Communication is key. You can never (laughs) (laughs) over-communicate. Owen Wilson's advice. Wow. You can never over-communicate. So (laughs) it sounds really obvious, but it still seems like so many people fail at Mm -hmm. it like miserably yeah so even though it's a like no-brainer of like yeah obviously relationships need to communicate Mm -hmm. why why do we still suck at it like maybe maybe we can share from our experience of like how we've sucked at it sometimes but why do you think some people know that you're supposed to communicate and still fail to do so i think i think if you've been in a relationship for a long time it can get harder if you're not revisiting it. I think it's one of those things you just kind of get used to. Mm-hmm. You get used to the everyday life. Yeah. You get used to just going through the routine and not putting that time aside and like actually making it an objective for you guys to sit down and be emotionally intimate with each other and right. open up and talk about where you're at. Mm-hmm. Whether it's happy, whether it's sad, like sharing and all those things together. I think that's a big part of it. But. Yeah. And another thing too with it is when you get into a relationship, you have to also remember that like each of us comes with, I don't want to necessarily say baggage, <laughs> but like we all have had challenges and trials in our lives. Yeah. And to assume that those have been dealt with. And yeah. even if they say they have dealt with them, you can't expect them to actually have always been properly dealt with. You yeah. Know? Especially if like, for instance, let's say insecurities. It's like, well, I used to be really insecure, but I'm not anymore. You can't assume that for the rest of your relationship, that person's never going to struggle with that again. Yeah. You would hope so, but there's always a chance that they might. And when you kind of like cut off communication because you have a lot of assumptions about things, that's where you start to have problems. I think that when you look at relationships, especially when you look at like the divorce rate, we're at like, I think they said 50%, but they've also said that it's dropped from like 50%, but that's also because less people are getting married. So it's not even, it is even sadder. I don't know which one's worse. It's like, I don't know. They live with each other for seven plus years mm-hmm. and they're like, well, I mean, and, and, and honestly, it makes sense. Like we come from a faith background where yeah. we believe that like 
you there are certain things that you should reserve until you're married mm-hmm. that are designed to be done in marriage. But if you are someone that doesn't believe in those things and you, let's say, already share your finances, you already live together, you already have sex together, like those kind of things, then I mean, yeah, why would you? Like yeah. it's it's like a binding contract with the government that like yeah. in the case that it ends, you could lose half your stuff or more and cost you a lot of money. Like we were even looking up like how much divorces can cost and depending on like Ooh, the amount of, amount of conflict that they have, it can rack up real quick into the six yeah. figures. It could be easier, but for the most part, a lot of divorces don't usually end well, especially once you're been married for a while, maybe have some kids, have a lot more assets, maybe have started a business together, mm-hmm. have, you know, like different properties, all that kind of stuff. Um, But with like divorces being so high and you look at like some of the reasons for it, a lot of it has to center around communication Mm -hmm. and not just either a lack of communication, but even the way they communicate with each other. So like I think one rule that we have in our house is no yelling. Like Mm -hmm. we do not allow raising your voice, talking louder than what is like room level. We might get like a little... I don't know, passionate or excited. Yeah, the, t- the tone will shift. The is tone that, the, the tone word? is much harder to, because to, sometimes you like kind of have attitude. Hey, you have a tone when I say, too. When I, when I say you, <laughs> I mean like a generality. Right. <laughs> I felt, you. I felt attacked there. You can be passive. <laughs> I can be aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> and together we're passive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that's, that was like one of the things I wanted to mention is learning like the way your partner communicates is huge in mm. communication. So yeah. like with that, I'm much more passive. You're much more aggressive. <laughs> that's not necessarily always healthy, but the fact that we are aware of it, it kind of helps us. Na- like we've learned how to navigate those. Yeah. Like uh, communication styles that we can have a much more productive and good conversation when we need to. Totally. But yeah my my style is i'm gonna be straightforward Mm -hmm. i'm getting straight to the point stop beating around the bush let's talk about it you're like i need to process i get overwhelmed need to yeah take a little bit of time conflict stresses me out so i need to kind of take a step back and think through it right yeah and i think at at first i felt like pushed a lot by you where it's like Mm -hmm. you're very no we're gonna talk about it and it took us a bit to be like but it's also i can't i don't operate like but it's also because you are a type nine and a type yeah. nine is the peacemaker. Yeah. So you also try to avoid conflict. I'm like, this is not but one of the downsides is that like you belittle yourselves to the point where you think that your opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. That you like what you have to say isn't going to be. Which is not a healthy, not a healthy thing. No. <laughs> if, if you have like the mindset that like what I'm going to say isn't important or it doesn't mm-hmm. have value already a red flag of no, 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 no. That's not true. You need to learn to be open and mm-hmm. talk about this. And if your partner doesn't value what you say, then that's also a red flag. You know, you don't want to be in a relationship with someone where you doubt your ability to like bring your own ideas to the table, to share your thoughts, to share your opinions, and then also have a partner that like neglects those or fails to actually listen to those. Mm-hmm. And that's like another communication issue where like it's not just about how you communicate, but it's how you receive communication Mm -hmm. it's how you listen yeah and i think that that's where most issues come from in relationships that fail is because not only the communicating part of like how you talk but how you receive Mm -hmm. because i think so many people have too much pride especially like guys guys have this more but it's both sides yeah but like you don't want to be wrong you think that you're right and you are going to take that to the grave with you 
Like you have to be right on this situation. Mm -hmm. And when that's the case, when you get into an argument or you start communicating about something and it has to go your way or the highway, that's where problems occur. And if we simply just learn to not only like humble ourselves and like allow ourselves the like chance to like listen to what they have to say and be like, you know what, maybe I don't need to be right on this. Then like you open a world of possibilities to like navigate through conflict together. Because I think that when you go into conflict, the best way to handle it is always seeking resolution, not just to like attack the other person. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think that a lot of problems happen is it's not about solving a problem. It's just about telling the problem, but like you either don't want to solve it or you want it solved, but the other person doesn't, Mm -hmm. right? Like they go back and forth and back and forth and they argue, they raise their voices, they yell and it doesn't lead to resolution. It leads to more conflict. Yeah. And then, yeah. Something I heard that I like, um, I mean, this, any like conflict that comes up in marriage or relationship, it's like, it's you guys together against the enemy and not you guys yeah. against each other. And I always love that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're fighting the problem, yes. not each other. Yes. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. heard that a few times too with like weddings. But it's with so, like I think it's so true. It really I, is. I'm like, if you, if, if you shift that mindset to remember that, it makes it, so much more of like, let's resolve this and move past it, not let the enemy win this between us. Like, yeah, drive that wedge in there. But. Totally. And this is this is literally just talking about conflict yeah. and conflict resolution. This isn't even talking about just <laughs> communicating with your yeah. partner. How was your day? <laughs> like, we, we say the same thing with um, like with like our, our faith is like, if you want to have a relationship with God, how do you expect that relationship to thrive if you never pray? Yeah. Like, if you never talk to him? Just talk. It's, it's like to, if we yeah. literally just did the entire day, walked right past each other, <laughs> and then went to bed, and we were like, hey. And you're like, hey. I was like, thanks for a good day. <laughs> we were like, yeah. <laughs> and then went to the next See day. See you tomorrow. <laughs> like, we might be able to make it through together, but we're yeah. not going to, like, the relationship isn't going to grow. No. So that's where, like, you have to learn to communicate about literally yeah. everything. Like, um... An example I was going to share in the last episode that I obviously didn't, we didn't record and, Anyways, and make it through. I cried. Um, <laughs> it was, I, I wanted to like, sometimes I do this and it's kind of dumb, but if you like leave the room and you're going to go do something, sometimes I'm like, if I go leave and do something and I come back in time, she's going to be like, what the heck? Wow. How did you do that? That was impressive. And I think it's so dumb, but it's he still fun. He means like leave the house completely and not tell me. Right. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I'm going to go get a salad real quick. So I zoomed out of the house, did not speed, but I like went to salad and go down the street, got a salad. But then on the way like back, I got the text from her and she was like, where are you at? No, I just said, did you leave? Like, did you? <laughs> I looked around in every room and then I finally looked at his location. I'm like, you're kidding. He just, I can just imagine you just left going from room to room. I, did you check the location or did you just text me? I looked first and then I looked at your location. I was like, did you leave? It was more like, <laughs> did you really do that? Like I knew you weren't here. It was. But in my head that entire time I was like, man, if I had gotten into an accident or if for whatever reason I disappeared, you would have been so in the dark because you would have been like, <laughs> I thought he was in the house. He literally was five minutes ago, but all of a sudden I'm on the other side of like, I'm like four miles down the road trying to get a salad. And if I like call you and I'm like, Hey, I got into an accident. You're gonna be like, wait, you hold left. up. How? The car's in the drive. You left, you know? Yeah. But like, even in something as minute as that, like if you can get to a level where like you just have like the conviction that like, man, I'm not communicating with my prop, like my partner pro- properly. Mm-hmm. That was hard. Properly. Then like you're going to be so successful because you just learn to communicate about everything. 
right? You learn to communicate about the small things about, hey, I'm gonna go do this. Hey, is it okay if I go and do that? And if you don't do that, you leave a lot of room for assumption because there's lack of clarity, right? So whether it be about like us in this podcast, like one of the conversations that we had to have is like, do you actually want to do this? Because if I go into this being like, I'm so excited to do this podcast, it's gonna be so fun. But in the back of your head, you're like, I don't, I'm kind of doing it because like Ram wants to do it. I'm mm-hmm. going to do it for him. If I go off of that assumption, then there's like internal conflict that I never know about yeah. because it's never communicated to me. And I never thought to like actually talk to you about it. We've had that issue with some things in the past where mm-hmm. my ambitions kind of drive us into something. And then you're kind of like pumping the brakes because yeah. you're like, you know, we didn't really talk a lot about this, but <laughs> I don't really want to. I don't know if I'm really passionate about this. I don't yeah. know if this is. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, communication, so key. We could talk about this forever, but if you are someone who, like I think the best way that you can kind of like take this lesson and be applicable right away is like do some reflection and kind of like on a scale of like one to 10 rate how well you communicate with your partner and then rate how well you think your partner communicates with you mm-hmm. and then have them do the exact same thing. Because then you can get an idea of like, do, you, do we actually like communicate enough? Do we feel like we're at a place where we're actually good or mm-hmm. do we feel like we kind of suck at this thing right now yeah. and we need to get better about it? Because once you kind of gauge it from both sides, then you can have a conversation and mm-hmm. then you can learn from there, how do we get better about this? I think you can learn like your partner's expectations too. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of assume like, yeah, we talk, we're fine. Like we, But if your partner's rating it low, they're right. obviously looking for more. They want more of that emotional yep. intimacy connection with each other. Yeah, and that requires like honesty. Like you have to mm-hmm. go into that being like, I need you to be honest because from my side, I think things are great. Yeah. But from your side, you've been like, I can't sleep at night. <laughs> I cry every night I go to bed <laughs> or whatever nah, it is. It's not about us. No, no, no. But it's, it's like... <laughs> you know, internally there's actually conflict that isn't being resolved. And sometimes like this just happens. Like naturally, like there's some things that we just bottle up and we don't want to talk about, push it away. And sometimes we think it's just going to roll over and we'll forget about it. And sometimes it will. Like if you're really good about it and you learn to overlook small offenses and that kind of stuff, easy. But if it's actually like something that needs to be addressed in the relationship. You can't overlook the big ones. (laughs) Yeah. You you can't push it off and be like, it's fine. I'm going to dismiss it. It's not important. It'll build up. Yeah. Yeah. Like and it bleeds into other aspects of your life too that you won't even realize until it's it's happening. And if it's not bleeding, it's building up like a pressure cooker mm-hmm. and eventually it's going to yep. explode. Yep. So all right, next lesson. What is it? I have the baby monitor up. Let's pull up this one. I'll share it for you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all right, lesson two. Have grace and learn to forgive. For- learn forgive. to forgive. Forgive. <laughs> hey, hey, yo, bro. Learn to forgive. Yes. So um I think that forgiveness is kind of a, I don't, I don't want to say like a taboo topic, but I know that like with the world, the idea of forgiveness is so convoluted. Like people really have differing opinions on like what it means to forgive. And there's like the one side where it's like, no, they wronged you. You don't have to forgive them. And then there's the other side where it's like, you should forgive them even though you don't want to Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, it matters more for yourself than it does for them. Like when the same thing happens with conflict, if you are the type where you've had a conflict with someone, they've wronged you in a certain way, you can either let that like eat you alive and be the thing that you constantly think about, or it can be, oh no, is he waking up? 
Yeah, shot you a little text. Let you know he's kind of in and out, but he keeps jolting himself awake. So that's okay. Remember, we'll get through this lesson. We have we have baby breaks. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but there's like both sides of the spectrum of like forgiving, and I think that the my best guess of how the world interprets it is it depends on how big the offense is and mm-hmm. how it affects you personally. Because if it's like a small one, they'll be like, "Yeah, just forgive them. Like, don't worry about it." But if it's like a bigger one, it's like, "No, don't forgive them." Mm-hmm. But I think the big distinction, regardless, is that forgiving does not mean that you approve of whatever they did, and it also does not mean that you have to forget what they did. Because those are the two things that people struggle with. If I forgive this person, then that means that I am okay with what they did, and I'm not okay with what they did. It could be something as extreme as like abuse. It could be something as like, you lied to me, right? And if you are to forgive them, then you somehow approve of what they did, which is not true. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you forgive them, that means that like I have to like brush this over. Like I have to forget the emotional pain that this has caused me or whatever this has done to me in my life, mm-hmm. which is also not true. Like they're obviously like you would like to forget it. Like you would like to move on from it. But sometimes things kind of linger with us and it takes time to yeah, work through like, it. I think you owe it to yourself to process through that. Not just totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost it's really insensitive to be like like forgive and forget mm-hmm. to some degree if if. Like you don't understand the context of like what has happened because some people have been really hurt by other people and you have to go to therapy, get counseling, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it can take years and years, sometimes decades for people to process what has happened to them. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you forget it. But I think the forgiveness aspect is where you have like a, I don't want to necessarily always say grudge, but you have this feeling of they are indebted to me because of what they've done to me. And as long as I have that feeling, there's like this weight on my shoulder. And if you live with that weight on your shoulder, it doesn't change them. Like if um, I'm going to give a really radical explanation and you can tell me if this is like too much. I don't think it is. But like if someone were to murder a person in your family, like a close friend, I know this sounds extreme, right? <laughs> Let's say that like really like don't get sad about this. Let's say that no. someone, let's say oh that someone, God. you know, you can't die. Let's say, stop. <laughs> I cried last episode and we had to stop. You're going to make, me should I make you the victim? Yeah. All right. Kill me. Let's say someone killed you. <laughs> okay. So you're dead, dead and gone. <laughs> <laughs> if, if someone did that to you and I have this grudge against the person who did that and I am neglecting to forgive that person for what they did, which sounds so radical when you think about it, especially when you're fresh into it. Then if I don't forgive them, they're, they don't care. Like they don't care if I forgive them or not. They move on with life. They go on and continue to do whatever they do. If they get a life sentence, if they actually get thrown in jail, prison, whatever it is, they do that. Or if they get to go roam free, like you would hope that like they live with guilt in their mind of like what they did, but there's a really good chance they've moved on from it. There's a lot of times where like someone has wronged us in a certain way and we think in our minds that like, they live with constant guilt of what they did, but most most often than not, they've moved on in life. It's you that haven't hasn't moved on. And a lot of the times that holds us back in life. So bringing that into the picture of a relationship, there are a lot of times where we do things that are wrong to each other. Mm-hmm. There's times where I neglect to communicate properly or I lied to you or I did something behind your back even though you didn't want me to do it. Mm-hmm. And in those situations, you have the option A of learning to forgive what I've done or B linger on it and let that build like this, like tension in between us, this like block. And if we don't learn how to like navigate through that with forgiveness, 
it creates conflict in the relationship, mm-hmm. right? So I think that for all couples that are listening, that are struggling with forgiveness, like obviously this is a much like deeper topic when it comes to like what they've done to you. Mm-hmm. But I think regardless of what it is, forgiveness doesn't have to do with forgiving, or I'm sorry, forgetting, <laughs> or with allowing or approving of what they did. Mm-hmm. It has to do with how you process what they've done to you and how that impacts your life. Yeah. So if you can learn to like move past offenses, like the Bible tells, I think it's Proverbs 16, nine that says, it is to one's honor to overlook small offenses. It might not be 69, could be a different one, but either way, no, it's definitely the 69. <laughs> but uh, either way, if you can learn to overlook, especially the small offenses in life in your in your relationship, when you like do wrong against each other, you're gonna be so much better off. Like you're gonna have so much more peace. You're gonna learn to move on. You're not gonna let things linger. It's not gonna create roadblocks in between you two. It's gonna set you up for success. Hey there. This is a baby pause, which is actually a great time for me to tell you guys about our brand new wedding planning guide that we have just dropped on our website. So if you don't know the background behind us, me and Alyssa are both wedding photographer and videographers. She doesn't actually do video, I just do video. But together for the last six years, we have been going into weddings with planning, with the process, we've even done it ourselves. And over the course of that time, we have learned so many different tips, tricks, things to avoid, things to do, the things that are most important, things to consider. And especially from being a photographer and videographer, we are with the couple the most of the entire day. So we get to see behind the scenes of every single wedding that we go to. And we have compiled all of that information, all of that data, and we put it into one guide. And the purpose of it is that if you are someone that is on the verge of getting married, if you are someone that is planning to get married pretty soon, if you are someone that even just wants to get ahead on things right now in life, then this is the guide for you. It's got everything from the step-by-step process of how to plan a wedding. It goes through choosing your vendors, the questions to ask your vendors, It talks about, it's got like some guest posts from people who are also in the industry, who are experts and pros and share their tips and insights. And then it goes beyond just the timelines and and how to plan out your day and the things to do and whatnot. It also has additional sections on things like uh, ways to save. It has things on like things no one thinks about. It has a section that is just for our biggest tips that we have and some really fun ideas. It also has additional sections that go into things like gift ideas, talks about first look versus no first look. It has things about finances and when it comes to if family members are going to be contributing to your day. And then we actually top it off with some marital advice. This is a full on planning guide. This is everything you are going to need in one place. If you are someone who is, you know, thinking, you know what, I'm just going to go to Google. I'll search these things up myself. That's great. Go for it. But you are going to spend hours and hours looking at different websites to get different perspectives. And it's going to just eat up so much of your time trying to know who to trust and what not to trust. But I promise that if you guys check out this guide, it is worth it. We also have a vow guide and a speeches guide. So the vow guide is for anyone who's gonna do personal vows with each other because we have heard so many great vows and so many not so great vows. And we believe that vows are way more important than I think most people think about because these are the words that you are saying to your partner that is going to be with them for the rest of their lives. Like if you're someone who wants to get these printed on a canvas, if you want to put these in your house somewhere, like you want these words to matter. You want them to have value and weight to them. You don't want them to be silly 
and, and something that you're gonna look back in 10 years and be like, man, like my vows were not that great. We have a perfect in-depth guide that goes through a step-by-step -step process of how to process your thoughts, how to communicate them properly, what are the things that are important, what are the things to avoid, everything you could need to know about how to nail your vows, not just for the sake of you and your partner for the rest of your lives, but also if you have a videographer for your day, because how you make your video is really contingent upon the words that you say, because the words that are recorded during the day are usually from the ceremony, the first look slash vows, and the speeches. And when you put those all together and you put them into um, a video, that's how we tell the story of you and your lover for the rest of your life. And if you aren't confident in your ability to, to really communicate well your vows, you're probably not gonna get the video that you dream of that you watch on YouTube when you see the, the 1 million viewed video of someone, some you know like influencer's amazing wedding video. And you can have that, but it really does come down to the words that you say. And then we also have the speeches guide. And the speeches guide is for anyone that is going to give a speech at your wedding. Now, please, I beg all of you guys, if you're not gonna get any of the other guides, just get this guide. Why? Because we have heard so many bad speeches over the years and speeches are, they can like kill the vibe for a wedding, like during a reception, especially if you don't have very many speeches going on and the people who do give speeches decide to wing it because when they decide to wing it, they're not processing what words they really shouldn't say when they're gonna give a speech. So we've heard some really embarrassing stories. We've heard people that just roast their couple or this uh, the, the groom or the bride the entire time. We've had some talk about their exes and ex relationships in the past, things that you don't wanna hear on your wedding day. So I encourage you, if you're gonna do anything, get this guide. It is gonna go straight. You would send this right to the people who are gonna give speeches. It is not this like 300 page uh, novel that they have to read, but it definitely has key sections with things like things to not like saying, like do not do lists. And then we also have a section that's dedicated to like, if you wanna learn how to just communicate better in general, it goes through like how to get rid of monotone voice. Um, but then it also talks about other communication styles and then it goes into how to process your thoughts and communicate the thoughts you truly have about that person. So it's a great gift to them. It also is a gift to you and to your video because if those are the words that ring into your video for the rest of your lives, I would hope that they're the best ever. So I just encourage you, send that to anybody you know snag that but if you want you can get all three of the guides together it is a bundle and instead of it being the $200 that it would be individually with all three of them it is 150 so I know that was a really long explanation of it I'm probably gonna only do that once but I really encourage you guys if you are looking to get married this is the guide for you that's going to set your day up for success I would hope that you don't already have experience with planning a wedding probably because that would be like a second marriage but if you haven't done this before, you can't expect to be a pro. And we've been behind the scenes and been doing this for years and years. We have done thousands of hours with weddings and we want you to trust us and know that this is the best thing for you to set you up for success on your wedding day. All right, back to the pod. Okay, so one last point with grace and forgiveness, because then we can move on for lesson three, is the idea of like point systems. So mm -hmm. this happens more often than we think and we do it a lot more i would say subconsciously or it's in the back of our mind but we don't think mm -hmm. about it but sometimes we keep like a record of wrongs against each other and then what happens is there's like this point system in our head where well you've done so and so against me and i haven't done that many things against you so if anything oh come on where did you get that cooper did you grab another one of those <laughs> give me a 
Hey, apologies to any of you guys Give that are ball. listening. There's uh, one extra squeaker in the house and Cooper found it and <laughs> always chooses right when we're going to record to uh, to squeak Stop it. it. Okay, no. Good job. Thank no. you, Cooper. I got it. Good job. Okay. So. No, leave it. That was close. I know. That was okay. risky. You could have just put it to your side. And we're back. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we kind of have this idea that we're better than the other person because we've done less against them. And when you have like a point like score against your person it's just really unhealthy like that's the bottom line you you shouldn't have this idea in the back of your head that you know they've done more wrong than you have against each other we're on the same team the same victories are your victories and exactly wrongdoings are all your own (laughs) exactly and when you keep like a record of wrongs against each other and you have Mm -hmm. this point system What's really toxic is when you use that as leverage in the relationship. So you use it as like bringing it up later on in life when you're like, oh, well, remember when you did this thing to me? Mm -hmm. Well, you shouldn't be so mad about me and what I just did to you because of what you did to me so long ago. And it's like, wait, I thought we already like went through that. We processed it. I apologize. You forgave me. We've moved on. So why are you bringing it back up into the relationship again? And that's why it's so important to learn to forgive and move on from it. Doesn't mean you forget, but it means you move on from it, which means you don't talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Unless like for whatever reason you have like a conversation that is like qualified to bring it up. But for the most part, you shouldn't need to bring up any of the past mistakes that each other has made. And a really good habit is just to try and practice forgetting about it. Like move on, look forward to the future, look forward to your relationship mm-hmm. and to the things to come. Don't linger on the things of the past. Yeah. I think that's a big reason for why people can't forget is because they linger on the past so much. They're more focused about the past than they are mm-hmm. the present or the future. And that really does not work well in relationships. Yep. So moving on to number three, third lesson, lesson is number three. all about how in a relationship it is more about sacrifice than you think. And the, the, the way I want to like kind of target this discussion is talking about how when you think about the culture we live in specifically. So if, if you're thinking third world country doesn't really apply as much, but when you think about first world country like us in America, it is a very me centric culture. It is all about us, all about our experiences, tailoring everything to what we desire. And because of that, it's wrapped our minds around this idea that the world does revolve around us right? Like you watch the commercials, they say, you know, what is Burger King? It's like, have it your way, whatever (laughs) it is. Like wherever you go, everything is tailored specifically to what you want. And that idea starts to bleed into a relationship. And Mm -hmm. the idea is it's all about you. It's all about what you can get from this. And this is also another big reason for why divorce happens is because the idea behind a relationship as being something of sacrifice and serving each other is foreign to them. The Mm -hmm. idea is that I'm supposed to get something out of this. And usually when you start into a relationship, the start of it is butterflies and rainbows, love, it's emotion, it's intimacy, maybe physical intimacy, all those things. And so you kind of like build the foundation for your relationship as this person gives me these things. Mm -hmm. They make me feel this way. And when you have that as like the foundation for that relationship, if they're not doing those things for you consistently, then you're like, the relationship isn't going the way it should. And because you have this twisted idea of we're off path, then it leads to discussions about how, well, I'm just, I don't know, like the love isn't there anymore. Like the spark isn't there. And when you have that mindset, you're probably getting in the relationship 
because you're thinking that it's a dud, you know, it's a dead end, that it's it's no longer growing. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is if you want to last literally a lifetime in your marriage, you don't have to be two years into marriage to know this. This is all about just studying the, the I don't know if ergonomics is the word for it, but like studying the <laughs> the overarching themes <laughs> of... <I don't> think, <laughs> that's like your body posture, is it not? Like, <laughs> like... I don't know. It sounded right and it sounded Ergonomical smart. chairs are like the ones that are better for your posture and sitting. Oh, and I don't think that. I don't know. I don't know. You should look it up while I'm talking then you can bring it up. Uh, so, nah. but if you look at the <laughs> overarching theme of relationships, it always has to do with sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It has to do with like dying to yourself yeah. for the other person. Yeah. Like there are wants and desires that each of us have in the relationship. But if we try to put our own desires first, it leads to the me-centric relationship. And then if it's if it's all about me, it's all about Remy and whatever Remy wants, then you're not satisfied in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And maybe those original feelings that I was giving you aren't there anymore. So you're like, this dude is all about himself. He is so egocentric. He is so like, honestly, like he he's, he's so self-centered that I don't even want to be around him anymore, right? He's almost a narcissist. And then when you have that mindset, either way it goes in a relationship, you want to end it because you're like, I'm not getting anything out of this anymore. And while you shouldn't be egocentric, you shouldn't be like self-centered about your relationship. At the same time, it's not about you. It's all about serving your partner and sacrificing for them. Like, I think that when we first got married, there was a lot of ideas about like where we wanted the marriage to go. What direction were we going? And it kind of seemed like we were going in the direction of, you know, first off, Remy is a self-employed entrepreneur mind where he's got a million ideas and he wants to execute on them and he's passionate about them. And then for you, it was, you were at Dutch, but you didn't know if you wanted to stay there forever. You're pretty sure you didn't. Oh, I knew when I, no, I didn't know. But then, but then where you wanted to go from there was, you know, what is next? And it took you a little bit of time, but you finally found out you wanted to do like skincare stuff, right? So you got into like an esthetician school and part of that season requires paying for school, Mm -hmm. which requires working, which requires like having to sacrifice to make that work. It's, you know, now instead of me being, um, you know, the guy who like always receives the meals from you because you always do dinner. Now it's, well, maybe I need to start Mm -hmm. doing more meals and more dinner around the house. Or, well, you usually clean around the house, but now that you're working in the morning and then you go to school at night and you only have the middle of the day to take a nap so you can recharge enough for (laughs) class, then maybe I need to start stepping up my game. There's mm-hmm. this idea that when you get into a relationship that it's 50-50 and it is this like- That is crap. <laughs> there's this, Yeah, like the idea is that both sides are gonna be equally invested in the relationship. They're both gonna do their part and it's gonna be, it's gonna be great. And then you get into a relationship and there's seasons where you might be sick. Like during pregnancy, we'll do a oh, whole episode about yeah. that. But like there was a whole season where you were giving maybe 5%. Yep. And I had to do 95%. <laughs> and there's seasons where I was giving 10% and you were giving 90%, whatever it is. But like you have to learn to like move with the pendulum, so to yeah. say. Like you have to learn to shift and adjust and like acclimate to different seasons of life. But doing that in with like a genuine heart behind it also right not out of like bitterness bitterness yeah i'm like i don't want to do it because it's like well you're not pulling your weight so i guess i will do the 90 percent like out right. of this like yep what's the word and that also know, goes but, to the idea of like yeah. scoring points it's yes. like well i did the dishes i cleaned mm-hmm. i made the bed i did all these things and you haven't done anything recently in this house yeah so like i have leverage on like if i want to do something mm-hmm. i can go do it like so toxic yeah so yeah when you when you get into a relationship it's it's so I wish that we could go into it 
way more in this episode. We'll do it in another one. But there is so much sacrifice involved. It is Mm -hmm. about like when you choose to marry someone, it is about dying to yourself. It is about giving up your desires, your wants, your dreams Mm -hmm. to accommodate for the other person. Now in a healthy relationship, you want both to thrive. So you don't want them to give up their dreams. It's not about like, well, I have to sacrifice these things so that like, I don't get to do what I'm passionate about anymore because my other partner doesn't want me to do that. <laughs> That's not true. Like you, you, you try to make both things yeah. work, but if it might not the, be that time though, also it's like, right. But, one might come first and then it's exactly season of sacrifice. But, but you have to think about if you're going to do a relationship and the person that you are dating, for instance, we have a couple of friends who, um, got married and they kind of thought they were both going to stay stable at home. One's a nurse. One was working for one company. He was working from home. And then all of a sudden she felt called to be a travel nurse. And if she's going to be a traveling nurse, that means you got to pack up your stuff and leave. (laughs) But like, if you're married to the idea that you are staying with your job and what you want to do, you've now hit a roadblock. What are you going to do? Are you going to move and accommodate for your spouse? Or are you going to tell them, no, you can't pursue what you feel called to. I'm going to stop this right now. And in relationships where you feel like one is called to one thing and one is the other, if they're not willing to accommodate for each other, conflict, divorce, separation, or or what anything in that in that category. So like you have to go in with a mindset of it's about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. We can try to, we want to accommodate for each other, right? Because yeah. that goes both ways. I'm going to sacrifice everything for you. You're going to sacrifice everything for me. Yeah. Some seasons are going to be 50-50. Some are 90-10. Some are 70-30. Whatever it is, but you have to learn to adjust to it and serve your person. Yeah. Because if, yeah. I don't, I want to say that it's one of those things where when you can't force the other person to fully understand and see that, but if you have that mindset in like your heart and the way you're living each day, mm-hmm. if I am like, my goal is to serve you. Yeah. Every day, wake up. What else can I do for you? What else can I do for you? Your partner, if it is healthy and you guys are on the same page to some degree, it'll not become a, it's like a healthy competition. It's like, well, I want to now do more for you too. Yeah, like I true. see the way you're caring for me and treating me. And right. I just, yeah. And it can also like, you know, also cause some like self-reflection mm-hmm. where it's like, man, like They're he's really, doing a lot for me. Yeah. She's doing a lot for me right now. I'm like, what am I doing in return? Yeah. And this is, that's where it's the hardest part is if you're um if you know anything about the enneagram you know there's like the type 2 and the type 2 is the giver right but when you're in um what do they call it when you're like in the bad side of your your enneagram oh whatever the term is it's when you're like on the the, the downside you're yeah. like whatever it is when you're not healthy essentially yeah when yeah. you're not healthy the idea of um giving comes with this like string attached of reciprocity that because I'm doing this for you, I'm mm-hmm. expecting something in return. And yeah. when it comes to a relationship, you can't sacrifice mm-hmm. with strings attached. Nope. You can't be like, well, I'm going to do these things for you, but I expect it in return. Yeah. Like you have to be okay. This is why like yeah. marriages fail. But like if you have the right mindset, they can last forever. If you go in with the mindset of I am okay with the idea that my partner might give 10% for the rest of this marriage, yeah. I'm going to give 90%. Because when you choose to marry them, it's not just a license. It's not just a contract. It's a covenant. And the idea of covenants is you don't break them. And if you can go into that relationship with that mindset of I'm okay with sacrificing for this person, even when they're not going to do it for me as well, Mm -hmm. then you're going to thrive. It might not be the funnest relationship because you're obviously like suffering to some degree and that sucks. And there's a, there can be a way longer discussion of like, if they're never (laughs) going to give anything to the relationship yeah, you maybe should get counseling or, or you should, you know, maybe see, you know, 
a therapist or whatever it is. Like there's, there's yeah. obviously, we're not going to say like, yeah, not the extremes. Obviously right. those do not apply. In but what you, we're talking. But you definitely have to be prepared for the idea of like, there's going to be seasons where they might not be in a good state of mind. They might yeah. be struggling with something. They might be, you know, going through a loss, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And you have to be prepared to drop what you're doing yeah. and sacrifice for them. You could be in a great season. Things could be going amazing. And all of a sudden like that, things switch. Yep. And if like, you have to be prepared to give up what you're doing for your partner. Like you don't get to be selfish and think, well, I'm going to keep doing my thing. I'm sorry. You're struggling over here. You're yeah. suffering. I'm going to keep doing my thing. It's like, no, I got to be there for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to do this thing really badly, <laughs> but when you can learn to make that choice, that really hard decision to yeah. sacrifice for them, it deepens your love for each other yep. because it shows the commitment you have. That and person should come more than any other thing. That exactly. You in life. And actions speak louder than words. Yep. So sacrifice is everything. Okay. Number four. What do we have? Choosing your community wisely. So important. And the reason why, and I'll share a couple thoughts and then list, you can share some of your thoughts. But when it comes to community, I've personally witnessed too many friends that get into a relationship and drift. They like drift away from that mm-hmm. friend group. They drift away from all their community. They spend all of their time with that person. And me, I did this myself when I got into a relationship in college. I separated myself and not necessarily because I like despised like my community, but it's because I was so like infatuated with this mm-hmm. person. I wanted to spend all the time with them. By the way, this is not me. So it's not Alyssa. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And she's getting really jealous. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. When I was in that season, I was like, I'm just going to spend time with you all the time. And I pulled myself away from my community. And this was like, I, I, I met these people in college. I met a ton of people, made tons of connections, had tons of friends. Then I got into this relationship. And for probably about eight months, I separated myself from almost all of that community. And then I remember breaking up with this person. And then I remember showing up to one, because I was still one of the group chats, even though mm-hmm. I never texted in it. I remember walking onto the field where they were all hanging out and talking and hanging out and whatever, doing, playing sports. And I walk up and they were kind of like, what's up, Remy? <laughs> kind of like confused, like question mark on the end. They're like, what are you doing here? And I was like, yeah, well, I'm single now, so I guess I can hang with my friends again. <laughs> and I mean, that wasn't exactly how I worded it, but it was yeah. it was what was the reality of it. Yeah, I was like, that's the truth. <laughs> but immediately I realized like, man, I was missing out. I missed out on so much fun in my first year of college because I was sucked into this relationship. And at first my thought was, my advice to everyone was don't get into a relationship in college. Experience college to the full. Do your thing. Don't get bound down by some relationship and mm-hmm. commitment. But then I was like, no, you can do it right mm-hmm. when you have good balance, but you yeah. have the right community in your life. And that's why it's so important. But even more than just like having friends to hang out with, when you go through really hard seasons of life, you want people there for you. Mm-hmm. Like you want a shoulder to cry on. You want someone to make a meal for you or to come check a, check in on you or to yeah. shoot you a text or whatever it is. Like if you don't have good community around you, like you're set up for failure. You're gonna reach a season in your relationship where maybe things are struggling or you're just not doing well personally in your own journey of life. And if you don't have anyone else to go to because you've only ever gone to your mm-hmm. partner, you're bottlenecking your potential in life. Like you're putting a strain on like what you can experience in life because you've limited yourself to one person. 
And that one person can be amazing, but they're not made to do everything for you, Mm -hmm. right? Like you still have to have, like you need to have your girlfriends. I need to have my bros. We need to have time separated from each other because it's healthy for us. Mm -hmm. So we can come back recharged, come back into the relationship. But there are certain things that like I have with my guys than you have with your girls. Totally different interests, ways that he will never connect with me. You can tell me all day long about what this influencer on YouTube is doing and I'm just going to nod my head and go, that's all I do. It's not, (laughs) but I'm going to say that that's a clear example where I'm going to shake my head and go, that's awesome, babe. I'm like, no, get excited. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And there's going to be times where I'm like, babe, look at this new trailer for this new movie coming out and you're going to be like, wow, that's cool, babe. And I'm like, get excited (laughs) because it's cool. We have different interests. Yeah. And they're not going to be everything for you. If you find someone that has every single interest that you have, that's kind of also a red flag because <laughs> like you need diversity in the relationship. Mm-hmm. If you are constantly doing that with the other person, you might get sick of them because I get sick of all of my friends when I spend too much time with them. We have all the same interests because it's like, I, I think I kind of need a break. But for the most part, community is so important and for so many reasons, mm-hmm. but it's a support system for yeah. you. And it's also a way for you and your couple to connect with other people yeah. because there's different seasons of life that you're going through. And if you don't have people in that season of life with you to go through that, you struggle a lot. Like for us getting pregnant, going through that whole journey, now having Silas, if we didn't have any community, that would one, just suck in general. But if we had bad community where it was people that, you know, weren't having kids, weren't interested in having kids and, you know, we're kind of like, let's say like in college or something, we're not going to be able to relate to them. Mm -hmm. We can't share in struggles with them. We can't ask for advice because they have no idea. They've never done any of this before. It's like finding people in the same like stage of life as you is so important because like we need help. Mm -hmm. And if you can't admit that you need help, then you need to work on learning to admit that you need help. Yeah. But it's so important in the relationship. And we're going through a season of this right now where we've been convicted of like, The time we spend with friends, it's great if it's just for fun and to be entertained and that's awesome. But if that's all you do with your community that's outside, like you're, you're wasting the potential of what true community can do for you. Like finding people in the right season of life, asking questions, sharing in like the experiences you're going through, the frustrations Mm -hmm. you have, the questions you have, relatability, all of those aspects, like that is so important. And even more than that for us is our faith. And if you don't have people in your life that are pushing you closer to Jesus, if they're just pushing you into whatever is entertaining and what is fun, but they're not actually like bringing value into your life, also bottlenecking you. And it's creating limitations in your journey of like what you can truly experience. Mm-hmm. And like finding community can be really hard, right? Like, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, like for us. We've been trying to join different life groups at our church and yeah. it's not working out. It's, it's just, not as... Yeah, I'm like not for any other reason, but... Yeah. Sick kids. <laughs> totally. But I mean, just even like knowing where to start yeah. can be so hard because you're like, okay, well, I know I have bad community mm-hmm. or I know that I don't have community, but like, how do I find community? Like that's, that's like another stage of life. And we can only give experience on communities that we've already found or are trying to find, but like there's going to be new communities we might be looking for later on in life. You know, yeah. there's, there's always, it's always going to branch out as your interests grow or as you move and you move into like a new city, a new state, whatever it is, like you have to find new community again, but you have to be so wise in who you choose because if you choose the wrong people, like it works against you and your relationship and the progress you were trying to make in life because it can hold you back. I remember I had a friend in high school that, you know, we would hang out all the time and have fun and it was, it was awesome. But if I got to a point where I, I had 
had some convictions about like the people I spend time with. And I remember just like reflecting on that relationship. And I was like, you know, I have a lot of fun with them, but I don't really have like deep talks with them or we don't like encourage each other or push each other. Or we don't really like talk about faith. He actually doesn't even really go to church with me. I'm trying to bring him to church, but he doesn't really like care to go. And like, if he did, it's only because of some fun event that was happening. And then I remember having a conversation with him and I was like, dude, if I were to go to a party and get drunk right now, like, would you stop me? And at that time I was underage, I was in high school and my values were that I wouldn't get drunk. That's something mm-hmm. that I wouldn't want to do. And he was like, if I saw you drinking, I wouldn't stop you. And I'm like, why? And he's like, I don't know. You get a, you can do you, bro. Do whatever you want. And that's a, like a very worldly thing to say. Yeah. But I was like, that's not the kind of person I want to spend time with. Because if I'm ever on like a downhill slope because of some event that happens in my life or yeah. some experience or whatever it is that kind of like draws me away from like who I am as a person and I start venturing into these unknown yeah. territories... I need someone to pull me out. Mm-hmm. I need someone to call Hold me you out. accountable. To like a word that we use sometimes is rebuke, which is like to actually call out someone in their sin. And I don't want to be surrounded by people that aren't going to do that for us. So like finding the right per like the right people in your life is important. So I didn't really like say goodbye, but I just didn't text him as much. I just said I'm, you know, going to hang with other people and I just started hanging with other people and we naturally drifted apart. So mm-hmm. you don't have to separate yourself from community and like this like all out, like have a conversation, be like, I'm going to stop hanging out with you. And they're like, why? Because you don't add value enough to my life. And they're going to be like, what? Like, so this is all about you? And it's like, no, you know, I just, I don't know. I want to branch out and meet other people. It's just like, it could end so badly and worse than you want it. But just choosing to like not hang out with them as much, choose to start hanging with new people. And I think if you're seeking other like communities that are pushing you and growing you and more catered to like the life you're living. Yeah. Those outside communities as well that you do like still see on occasion, Mm -hmm. they're going to see that they're going to, it's going to have an impact on them. Totally. Like I would say in a positive way, like if Mm -hmm. you are growing more as a person by branching out and meeting more people, yeah, that's naturally going to flow over into your other relationships. So totally. Yeah. There's like a, they call this the, the average of five or the rule of five. Mm -hmm. And it basically means that, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you were to think about... <laughs> I am a baby. <laughs> you are a baby. <laughs> I'm like, who do I spend the most time with? A dog, <laughs> you, a baby, and like two other people. And clearly Silas dominates the three of us. <laughs> this is why I'm turning into an idiot. I'm just kidding. No. No, he's so smart. But Anyways. <laughs> if, if like all you do is spend time with like five people who have way different interests than you and are complaining all the time or negative or pessimistic, whatever it is, you're going to start to become yeah. those things. But if you were to spend time with like five people who are super joyful all the time, who are always positive mm-hmm. on like their experiences in life, who are really social and like know how to ask, yeah. like there's one person I can think of where whenever I'm with him and we go out in public, he's always so chattery with like random people. He'll like mm-hmm. talk to like the, the clerk at the gas station and be like, how's your day going today? And they're like, it's good. And I'm usually the type to be like, just check out my thing. Like I don't want to talk <laughs> to people, but it like influences me yeah. to be like, oh, I should check in with people or ask how they're doing and just like yeah. be more intentional with questions. So like you're influenced by the people you spend time with. So as a couple, if like you have goals as a couple of where you're trying to go in life, surround yourself by other couples who are also trying to go in that yeah. direction. But if you're young and you're not by or, or like a ton of couples, that's okay. Find other people in your community. But what's also hard is when you have like, I've seen this before too, and I'm going to use you as a, a hypothetical for a relationship where it's like your closest friends don't like me. And mm-hmm. I don't like them. Then that 
comes as like a conflict when we want to do things with our community because I don't like your friends. I don't like that you hang out with them. They don't like me. And it's like a back and forth kind of thing. And you have to kind of gauge and this go vice versa, but you have to gauge from that. Is that because of your person or is that actually because of your community? Because it can go both ways. It could be that the person you're dating is actually toxic and the people in your life who truly know you and know who you are saying this is a bad person. Don't date this person. And you're just choosing to ignore them. And when you do that, create separation from your community. That's how you isolate yourself Mm -hmm. because you get into a relationship with someone that no one else really supports. Or it is the opposite where your friends were actually really poor community and you got, you landed lucky with a really solid person and they're a good influence on you. And their friends don't like you because you're a Jesus person or because you have higher values in life or because you don't want to go party. You want to go to a Bible study or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Then they don't like that person because of their other values. So you have to like use discernment with your community kind of in that situation. But like you have to think about like what is actually the best for me. And that can take time. That's a process. It's a whole other podcast episode Mm -hmm. we can do. But like even just taking that initiative to reflect on your community, the people you surround yourself with, asking the question like, are they adding value to my life? Am I adding value to their life? Is this kind of like a reciprocity thing? Because it's, you really do want to find that. It might sound toxic that like you want to find someone who's going to pour into you, but like find people that can pour into you. Like it's really good for you and find ways to serve them and pour into them. Like it doesn't have to be like only find people who are not as smart as you so you don't feel bad, Mm -hmm. you know, or only find people that are smarter than you. It's, there's so many ways you can serve relationships and be there for people and not have to be in the same season of life, but like finding good communities to surround yourself with. So that's number four. Nice. The last one. Don't let work consume your relationship. This <laughs> one's a little different. This one isn't a little tailored. The more tailored. This especially is more like for us because we're self-employed, mm-hmm. but this can apply to most people. And Usually because if you're a workaholic, which is, I, I feel like I could be wrong. I think we can apply this different ways in my head to you, but continue. Well, yeah. So one of my thoughts is like m- more guys, I think are workaholics than girls. I think girls know how to like hang but out. I, I think I just thought of a flip side of this. It's a little more tailored to like families, but like yeah. in marriage mm-hmm. where I think like wives or mothers can become so consumed in their like work with the children. That mm-hmm. makes sense. It's yeah. You become so consumed in like kids' schedules, kids come first, all of this, where yeah. it consumes your life and like that's your work yeah. and your relationships suffer. So I just, yeah, yes. I love that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And I think even just from our perspective, I would say that maybe more guys are workaholics mm-hmm. and girls are better at like being able to like slow down the pace of life, to have fun, to be more adventurous. Guys inherently, especially in relationships, when you're married, you have kids, Like you want to provide, you want to work hard. You want to make sure that food is on the table, that bills are paid. Like there is a sense of like, I'm going to work hard for my family. And that is amazing. That's how my dad was. There was always food on the table. When we went through the recession, he had like four jobs. I swear he had like four different jobs that were (laughs) part-time. And he was just working his butt off so that he could like actually provide for us. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. But if all you ever do is let work consume you, 24 7 and you neglect your relationship then what are you working for Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like you're eventually going to be working for food on the table for yourself they're going to be gone they're not going to want to be a part of this family anymore or it's going to be the same with kids like you work so hard day and night so food is on the table for your kids but they would rather go hang out with their friends 
They don't want to be mm-hmm. around the family because you're not around anyways. You don't pour into me. Like that was how I experienced it is, you know, like I would rather go hang out with my friends or I'd rather go eat in my room or whatever it is. Cause yeah. like you're not involved in my life that much. And so I think that when it comes to all relationships, especially if you're in the dating stage, it's different because you don't live together. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing each other 24 seven. So even if you work a ton, it's like, oh, okay, we'll just hang when you don't have work. And usually when it's like you get off work, you go hang with them anyways. So like, it always seems yeah. like, oh, you're putting in time to like be in this relationship still. But when you already live together and you're already married, you have kids, whatever it is, yeah. it can be way easier to let that work consume you the same way it did in your dating season of life and it not have the same like impact. Like it can come off differently, the same result, so to say. So especially for us, we're Mm self-employed. I can work 24-7. And I think I've been working on this, (laughs) sorry, over the last like year, I would say over the last, I would actually say more like six months. Mm -hmm. When like five o'clock hits or 5.30, like stopping my work brain. And this took me a long time to do. And this is just a personal experience, but... Mm -hmm. My mind is always racing with the next thought, what to do next. And especially with my other business, with the, with photography and weddings and stuff like that, it's super easy because it's either editing or it's emails or it's shooting the day. Yeah. It's really it's that. a checklist. Maybe, maybe like, social media. I can get this done, done, done. When I'm on. running Ask Us Why, it's a full on other brand that's product based and has to do with like everything from like the website to the social media to the podcast to the design side of the apparel to the fulfilling orders to what are the new projects I want to do everything so there's so many more aspects so I'm always constantly thinking that like my mind is racing that I can never focus and because of that I would come home from work or I would be working and I wouldn't stop working until Mm -hmm. like 10 o'clock at night and we've had plenty of conversations where it's (laughs) like you're not really like I miss you, yeah. you know, like you would say that we'd be in the same room and you're like, like I miss you. You're like, what does that mean? I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? What I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you're here, but you're not fully present. Yeah. That was the issue. It's totally. And this happens. I feel like this can be really easy for anyone who is in a nine to five, nine to five. Like I leave work clock out when I'm done. Yeah. yeah. And those relationships usually are the best because it's like, hey, I'm <laughs> off work. What are we doing? Yeah, we're going to go gonna hang out with our friends, going to yeah. go to a bar, Taco Tuesday. Like, let's go out, do whatever we want because mm-hmm. I don't have to think about work. And most people in those kind of jobs really actually hate their work, unfortunately. So when they get off work, they don't want to think about work. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and not really unfortunately, but fortunately, I love what I do. Yeah. So to me, it doesn't seem like work. It's my passion. Yeah. And so when you blend those two together, it makes it even harder because you don't think that what you're doing is like, oh, I'm a slave to my job. It's like, no, I love what I do. And it's so exciting. Yeah. So I want to put all my time into it because it's the next thing. It's the next thing. But if I don't stop to pause and realize that I have a wife who I am called to serve and sacrifice for, who I need to always be communicating with, who I need to be spending quality time with, if I don't do those things, I fail to like serve my first ministry. Mm-hmm. And that is my wife, like to love you and to spend time with you and to commit my life to you. And if I'm failing to do that because I'm so focused on these other things, even if I have really good intentions behind it, the marriage does not flourish. Yeah. The relationship does not thrive. And especially for anyone that's dating, as you're getting ready for marriage, is to be aware of this because the second we got married, we'll do a whole other episode about this, but we did not really get a honeymoon phase, which most people talk (laughs) about is like, you got like a couple years where you're just like so in love with each other. You just can't keep your hands off each other. It's just so amazing. Just want to do everything together and you want to, yeah. 
The second we got married, I was a part of a startup for a restaurant that was requiring so much of my time mm-hmm. in an industry that I had no idea about. So I was constantly trying to learn about, was handling so many things. I shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. <laughs> I, Looking back on it, if I were to be asked again, ain't no way. But at the time I was ambitious and excited. So I said, mm-hmm. yes. So I would be working, but I would leave at like eight in the morning and I would be gone until sometimes seven o'clock at night and you would work the morning shift. So you would actually leave at like four in the morning mm-hmm. and then you would be off at like whatever, 12 and you would spend most of the day by yourself. And then I would come home from like seven o'clock, get home and be taking like 45 minutes to get home. I get home by like eight o'clock, mm-hmm. but you would need to go to bed by 10 so you could get up for the next day. So we were seeing each other for like two hours a day. Yeah. And we quickly realized about three months into the, I think three months, maybe two months. I think it was two months actually. Yeah. Two months into marriage. We were like, we suck. <laughs> we are so bad at this. Yeah. I had these preconceived expectations of like, I want her to desire me for us to be physically intimate, to be sexually active. And you were like, I need him to spend quality time with me. I need him to pour into me. And I'm, neither of us were getting those things. No. <laughs> and it was because we were consumed, me specifically, with work. And I wasn't like prioritizing the marriage and the relationship. And we weren't like going on dates and we weren't having fun with each other. It was kind of like getting back. I was like, I'm tired. And it'd be like, my expectation is let's get it on. And you're like, let's go to bed. <laughs> and when you have those like conflicting desires and you're literally everything that you do is centered around work, you're not having fun in the relationship. Yeah. And those like first like years, like how fun was it when we first started dating? Doing like, it. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> we just had so much fun together. It mm-hmm. was always like hanging out and what do we want to do now? Let's go to the pool. Let's mm-hmm. go to the hot tub. Let's go on an adventure, a road trip, all those kind of things. It was just like, let's have fun together. Yeah. And then when you let work consume everything and it drains all of your energy, you don't want to do anything after yeah. that. You're like, I'm tired. I don't want to hang out really. I like, mm-hmm. just want to like sit and be still. It's all about balance. It's all about, it's all about balance. <laughs> yeah. It's not about like get rid of work. Yes. Yeah, I say we're not saying like drop it and don't ever, don't yeah. get excited about it. Don't be passionate about it. But right. you have to understand that you got to, it's time and a place. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's about having the wisdom and the maturity to know mm-hmm. when to stop. Yeah. And to also be intentional with, Asking your spouse or your partner, like, am I like too consumed with my work? Like, <laughs> am I pouring into this relationship at all? You know, like having those like really hard conversations. Yeah. And maybe it's not like if you if you're the type of person to ask that, like you are. You are light <laughs> I was years. like, you should. You already know. If you're asking, then you know. <laughs> well, if you're asking, you know, because when in doubt, it's on your mind. Yeah. Yeah, but. <laughs> If you're the type to ask that question and open that conversation, like kudos to you because that is huge. But usually it has to be the other partner who has to speak up up and say something because they don't see it. And that was our case. And it was our case. But it wasn't like I was doing it to spite you, Mm -hmm. doing it because I didn't love you. See, no. And that's that's the part coming from like the other perspective of the spouse. I never wanted to bring it up or mention it because I knew how passionate and excited he was about all of these things. It's Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to be the person to crush it. Am I being selfish then? Because- I want more of your time. Is it? Yeah. So it's a very, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It it definitely does make having the conversation Mm -hmm. harder. And what happens is if we don't have the conversation, like going back to communication, it adds and bottles up and bottles up and Mm -hmm. bottles up. And I remember we, I think you would probably remember the situation too. Like it was, um, it happened one night where like things didn't go the way that I expected them to. I got pissed. You were already crying. I (laughs) left 
I left the house completely and we weren't even at our house. We were babysitting and I left <laughs> and I went and sat at yeah. a Tesla charger because I was like, <laughs> I got to charge the car anyways. I'm going to go do it now. But I was, doing it I was like, I need to get some air because I'm really pissed off right now. Yeah. And then went back into that conversation thinking that like I was the one that's wronged. And then I was like, I'm the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a, what's that sound on TikTok? It's like, I'm Am the I drama. The <laughs> I'm the drama. Could I be the drama? But it's like, I'm the problem. Could I be the problem? I'm yeah. the problem. It's me. <laughs> I'm the issue. And so yeah, I had like a really hard, like coming to truth moment where I was like, dang, I am the issue in this. I have been spending so much of my time on work, on my passion projects, on whatever it is mm-hmm. that I've neglected to love my spouse. And we're two months into marriage. <laughs> two months. It wasn't even like. I will say though, I like, it's also important to take like the little percentage of the ownership or ownership of yeah. the percentage you play in it. Mm-hmm. And I should have spoken up sooner. I should have communicated a lot sooner too. So yeah. Yeah. And yeah. No. And, I mean, those things take time mm-hmm. and you can't expect, you especially it. with our, our story was like, we knew each other. If you remember listening to that episode, we like started dating within six weeks. We knew we wanted to marry each other in three months. We proposed at six months or I proposed in six months <laughs> and then we got married 10 months later. Yeah. So like we weren't like most couples that usually are around each other for about a couple of years mm-hmm. before anything happens. So for us, like we knew, we already know like the weight of marriage, what it means, yeah. what the commitment means. We knew the importance of what we were getting into and yeah. Exactly. So we, we weren't like immature or unwise in our decision to get married, mm-hmm. but it did mean that some of those communication skills that you would develop in a relationship didn't happen before. And that's not to say also that like you can get that if you date for two years, because you could also go two yeah. years and still suck at communication. Like it really comes when you live with each other mm-hmm. because that's where everything changes because you see them 24 seven. It's not just like you get to go home at the end of the day. And if you didn't text your person, because you went home from work or whatever, <laughs> or you decided to go hang with a friend, like you're fine. But when you expect to see them in bed every single night at the end of the day and they don't show up and you're like, where are you at? Or it's like, hey, <laughs> I thought you were coming home for dinner. And it's like, oh no, I'm going to the gym. Like those kind of things where you you have to start communicating about everything mm-hmm. because you have to know where you're at. And I guess you can share locations, but that doesn't really communicate. <laughs> it just stalks. But like it's, it's, uh, it's so important for that. And so when it comes to like your work, balance like you have to to be able to gauge when it's too much and i've always had the fear in my heart as an entrepreneur of i don't want to be that entrepreneur that you hear about the success story of their business and it was amazing and man it scaled and their millions of dollars and their ipo was great whatever it is but then you look at their family and it's like oh divorced two kids oh he doesn't see his kids ever oh he talks about how his marriage failed Oh, you hear about the regret stories of I wish I spent more time with my family. I was like, that'll never be me. I am not going to be that guy who gets so consumed with my vision of my work mm-hmm. that I'm going to fail to love my family. That that comes first and foremost. Yeah. If I was so set on business and entrepreneurship and wanting to do that, then I shouldn't get in a relationship. Yeah. I shouldn't get married because that's the cost of it for so many of these businesses that are you know as successful as they are. Look at all of the top entrepreneurs in the world Guarantee you they're divorced. Guarantee you that they aren't married because- We could be wrong. Even if they, they are <laughs> married, can't imagine the relationship is thriving because most of the time their work is consuming them 24-7 and they don't actually get a pour into them the way they want or the relationship with their kids is even harder. So like it's just a, a general like 
like a, a, a general truth. Mm-hmm. There's the word I was looking for, a general truth that you have to find balance in life to pour into your relationships, into your family, into your spouse, into your kids, all of those things. And if you can't learn to find the balance and you don't have good communication skills, you're going to also find yourself in a rut later on in the relationship mm-hmm. where you're like, man, how did we let this happen for six months? How do we let this happen for five years of our life? You know, like it's different for everybody, but sometimes the mindset is I'm just going to become okay with it because this is just who they are as a person. And this is who I chose to marry. And like, there might be some truth in there, but also like be honest, like be upfront. And this can go into your expectations too, of like when you go into like a relationship and the expectations you have, you have to be clear about what your expectations are. Yeah which is a whole nother lesson. <laughs> I was like, that's a lesson I learned. <laughs> yeah, like learning to channel your expectations. And yeah, and actually are, communicate them too. You can't, you can't be upset about expectations that you never even communicated. Yeah, unspoken expectations are a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And you have to learn what expectations you should have, what are unrealistic expectations, mm-hmm. what are realistic expectations, and then communicate those. Yeah across the board yep. because then you can hold each other accountable to those. Yeah. But if you don't, or find compromise in them too. Yeah. yeah. And that's taken us a few years to be like, okay, my wife expects me to be done with work, to not be talking about work, to just hang mm-hmm. out. I remember one time when we were first starting the Davenport duo stuff, we were getting pizza at Barrows and we were like waiting outside for it. And I was telling you about all these ideas and you're like, can we just I'm not like, talk about we, work? I'm like, I thought we were on kind of like a date. Like, and I, I got offended. Got I was so, so mad. mad. Cause I was like, are you kidding me? I am so excited about this. And you're like, can we not talk about this? I was like, do you even want to do this with me? <laughs> we talk about it all day long. <laughs> yeah. But, so I just remember that. Yeah. And that was like really the start of me learning the expectation of my wife loves to work. She loves to work hard, but she loves balance in life. Yeah. And I have to learn to to find that balance with her because that's what you desire in this relationship. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to sacrifice. And that's all about the cost of getting into a relationship and the cost of getting married. So there's our five lessons. This is actually a pretty long episode. I know. I was like, we kind of kept going. This, I think in total, it's going to be like an hour and 10 minutes, somewhere around there. So Sheesh. sorry, guys, but I hope it was valuable to you. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we peace out of this? No. No? No. I mean, I'm excited we chatted about this stuff again. Stuff yeah. you know, but I like talking about it again. Yeah. It's fun talking to you. So much fun talking to you. I love you. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the pod. If you haven't already, like it, subscribe, rate us, give us that rating on like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those jazz, all that, all that jazz. And um, catch you guys in the next episode. Peace out, young lovers. Bye.